I started Coffee with Humans as a way to make meaningful connections. See, I believe when people on individual journeys cross paths, real good can come from that. And in that sacred moment, we have the opportunity to do three things. Name reality and describe the future we want. Destroy things for our good by moving on from that which no longer serves us. Create or recreate ourselves, moving us to the reality we describe. That's the essence of Coffee with Humans, making the world a better place. One conversation at a time. Good morning. We are live here uh, with Sam Chapman and Coffee with Humans. Sam and I met uh, about eight minutes ago. Welcome to Coffee with Humans, Sam. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, good, good, to, uh, good to have you. Um, some Facebook user uh, is saying, love Coffee Talk. When is this, Todd? Uh, I don't know who you are, unfortunately. It's <laughs> right now. But let me let me let me find out. Let me find out who that is. Uh, while I'm doing that, uh, Sam, where are you located? I'm bad with accents. Uh, the UK, in, in England, yeah, um, in Bristol specifically, but everyone sounds the same uh, in this half of the country. So <laughs> you wouldn't be able to tell anyway. I, I, yeah. Cause I was, I, I was on the phone with her coffee. I think the other day with somebody from uh, Australia and, oh, okay. and I couldn't place that either. Yeah. A lot of people think that uh, English people sound Australian in other parts of the world. Um, but Australians and English people would obviously argue that we don't sound the same at all. So yeah, no, I totally get it. <laughs> Do I have an accent to you? Yeah, yeah, you have an American accent, although I couldn't place where in America you're from. Okay. I'm, you know, I have no idea. I know there is quite a big difference, but yeah, because if I was, yeah, if I was, um, that's uh, my friend Shana actually seeing, uh, and oh, and she's saying welcome, Sam. Uh, yeah, if you were in the states, you'd say I had a Chicago accent. Okay, I go accent. It's like <laughs> so we instead of like uh, you know the southern southern states or something like that. Yeah. The, Boston, I don't know. I can't do accents. We're not doing accents. Do accents at all either. So, I we're think also we're, not doing. Uh, we could do mime. Yeah, I mean that's much easier than accents, isn't it? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so what inspired? That, go ahead. Sorry, go on, go on. Go on. I, what yeah. inspired you to uh, have coffee? Um, well, uh, I was on Matchmaker FM. My friend suggested going on it. Um, and there's lots of cool shows on there, but this was particularly cool looking. I just like the idea that there's no like talking beforehand, really. Even when we were doing the technical stuff, you were pretty cold wall because now we can sort of learn about each other naturally, which is really interesting. Um, and, you know, it's just a good space to talk about anything at all. So I suppose yeah. we'll see where the conversation leads us, but it's quite, yeah, it's quite exciting. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, we were a matchmaker at FM, uh, which to be clear is not a dating site. It's, no, um, sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a site for podcasters to see other podcasters around the world, I guess. Uh, and they have something like 15,000 podcasters or videocasters on there or something. 
yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, it was the, you're the first show that I've been on from it. So, um, yeah, but it seems quite good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, meet random people, which is, which is great. Right. Totally. I love it. Um, yeah. The, the premise of the show is that it's just, uh, just any old random, random person can come on and have coffee. We talk about anything. The only rule is no sales calls. Uh, yeah. so we've, uh, We've talked about, what have we talked about? Shoot, we talked about making crumpets once. My, one of my first guests, uh, she, we were talking about making crumpets, and then I started choking on a piece of something. And I was like... <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so it's, it's fun. Have you ever had any attempted sales calls? How do you deal with that? I've not had an attempted sales calls. I don't know how I would deal with it. That's quite because there's no real guarantee that someone isn't going to go into a sales pit, is there? So I was talking to a guy yesterday um, who's a YouTube consultant because um, I was asking about, hey, you know, let's make this YouTube channel something better. Mm. And he said, do you think it's a flawed premise <laughs> to have a coffee with some random person because you don't know anything about that person, what you're going to get? the quality of the content, technical issues. Like yesterday I had a this weird feedback, mic feedback issue. Yeah. And I thought, well, I don't know. Do you think it's a flawed premise? And, and he, I think he thought it was a flawed premise, which is, I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion. But what do you, what do you think? Why? It's intriguing to, to people like you and other people that are like, I love the fact that you don't know me and we're going to get on and talk about anything. I think that, I think that people maybe think that there's going to be something that goes wrong automatically. I don't know why. Maybe there will be. Maybe in like 50 or so episodes, you'll have one person who comes on as is selling or is really boring or whatever else. But surely that's even that's good content within itself. There's plenty of things on YouTube that are just videos of people failing. So I don't really see why that wouldn't be good content within itself anyway. Um, but you know, that might be what goes viral. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I mean, out of the 50, the rest of them are going to be really interesting conversations. So why not? Why not try it out? Yeah. I think so too. So you're, you're, so the fact that you said, uh, I might get a boring one. I'm guessing that that's, you're not the boring one. I mean, I hope so. We'll see, I suppose. <laughs> well, you're not boring enough. Not so boring that I wouldn't come on and try this out, I guess. <laughs> that's awesome. So what's up, what's up with your podcast? What do you do? What are you, what are you talking about? I, actually, I don't do a podcast. I was just on there as a guest. Um, you're just on there as a guest. Yeah. I, 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 um, but I, Runner, well, I've been trying to do some video, I guess you call it like vodcasting or a bit like this, I guess. It's kind of a podcast with video yeah. um, for my company, uh, but I'm not very good at, you know, I'm not a professional TV presenter or like radio host. So it's been interesting. When you're doing it for a company, you have to try and make sure you're talking about your company and, you know, almost be advertising. But then you can end up on really long tangents and talking about everything else, like philosophy or you know whatever else you're going to talking about. So I think we put that one on the back burner for now because um, you know it's actually doing a podcast should be a full time thing if you're going to make quality content. It shouldn't just be something you do on the side necessarily, you know, because you have to put energy into it. I guess. Okay, I agree with that. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I don't put a lot of energy into this. That's. I mean, I suppose you don't have to put huge amounts of research in or anything, do you? I put no. Re it, I, it's 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 like structured perfectly for me, because um, mm. I I do no research on people by by design or mm. very at least very little research. So I don't. I go into it pretty cold, uh, and then 
it's it's live and then we just uh you know live stream it to at this point uh youtube linkedin and and facebook yeah i mean i think that's probably completely counter to what i said and fair enough as well so like you know I think that you've got you've got a particular format, which means that you can kind of take pleasure and get a benefit from not actually having to work on it full time. But a lot of people, I mean, you see now most YouTube channels that want to be successful have a really strict formula for how they grow their users, how they make content. And, you know, like thumbnail design is something that's really important nowadays, you know something really what seems trivial and yet it's the difference between someone clicking and someone not. So, you know, obviously you haven't put that much thought into things like that and that's good. That's probably healthy because it means your content's going to be more genuine. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of like work that goes into the most simple YouTube channel now, which I don't really think was necessary. The founding principle of a video sharing platform in the first place. Well, I, yeah, it's interesting. I, during the chat yesterday, you know, yesterday, one of the things is like, what keyword do you want to target? To get to get more viewers, more listeners on YouTube, what keywords? Uh, and yeah. you can like you can dominate t- keywords. So, for instance, maybe if I say live talk show, mm. um, we could you know dominate the the word live talk show, of which there are like ten thousand searches a month or something like that. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think that Sorry, yeah. targeting content? Uh, Instead of keeping it open and genuine, do you think there's pros and cons to that in terms I mean, of your genuine or what? I don't know. What do you think? I think obviously, like, I mean, you said you're talking to a YouTube consultant. That's you taking the genuine project you're doing and then finding out a way to improve on it and maybe get extra following or whatever else, right? That's the ultimate goal. But what you're not necessarily doing is changing your format or creating content for the sake of getting viewers your content remains i hope relatively consistent it's what you set it up to be whereas there is a thing in marketing now especially companies where you're encouraged to create content just for the engagement of course you are because that's how you end up selling and you know there's value in that for a business and there's value in that for money making but whether or not you know writing i don't know a thousand blog posts so you get extra um you know visitors on your website actually has value within itself like the content has value that's quite a hard balance to strike because obviously all you're thinking about is how many keywords can i get in here how many different ways can i mess with the algorithm how many users can i get you know and that's what the focus is not actually what the content itself is i think there's kind of probably two sides to it yeah um, yeah no you're right i think that it's a it's a, it's a i don't know if it's a unity anger but it's a kind of a push and pull on create quality content that engages users because there's some metrics that, that uh, uh, would push push uh, or promote content based on its its engagement rates, uh, which is like watch time and things like that. And then on the other side, it's the, is it findable in search? Yeah. Uh, when when people type in the, you know, the word something like live talk show, will it come up in the search? Well, then you got to say live talk show. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have to say... The weirdest thing in the YouTube algorithm now, I don't know if this is how true this is, but I've been told that you can say certain words within the actual audio of the video and then it will it will pick, put you in a certain place. Like you just you just said live talk show, right? Um, and that seems bizarre. I mean, obviously the algorithm has to work somehow, but it is weird to think that there's a whole host of people out there who's made who have made careers now out of just figuring out how to manipulate those algorithms the best way they can and then producing content that people watch. Um, 
I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I don't think it detracts necessarily from the platform or from from anything that's created. I just think it's it's just a weird phenomena that exists. You know, it used to be that any content, you know, newspapers, whatever, would have been created to inform, to entertain, whatever else, not necessarily to get. Uh, readership although it would happen to because it was good content and that's why you know you make it but then you also you've got this thing now where basically everything that gets successful on the internet is almost like tabloid in the way it's designed i mean a thumbnail is similar to tabloid headlines it's just like really um exciting really extreme words and images so you click on that link and then you can click through to it and it's completely irrelevant to what the actual thumbnail is but suddenly here you are watching the video and that person's got engagement, right? You're right. It is like, it, there are like tabloid thumb, thumbnails now. Yeah. Cause like, mm. it, it'd be like the person like, yeah. You know, and then there's <laughs> words spread across the top. <laughs> I guess I would ask you, you know, you're obviously getting a YouTube consultant uh, helping you a bit. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, he's asking you if your concept works. Do you think that if he said to you, I'm not saying he's going to say this, but say he did, uh, say, okay, if you do X, Y, and Z, you will get more viewers. But the X, Y, and Z you have to do is, I don't know, change your content in this way, um, stop this part of the thing you really believe in, and make ridiculous thumbnails, right? If there were things that you would have to change that you didn't necessarily want to change, but you knew they'd get you viewers, would you do that? Or do you think that you would be more true to the, the format as it is now? Uh, yes, and. So I think... So here's here's what I've done so far. I just did this yesterday um, or last night. I changed I changed the title to Coffee with Humans Live Talk Show. Okay, that's the title of the channel now, which makes more sense. Uh, if yeah. You go to, if you go to YouTube, Coffee with Humans Live Talk Show, so that if a person were, were number one to stumble across it, they go, "I'm in the right place." I understand. Yeah. Okay. I changed the title banner so it says Coffee with Humans live uh live streamed talk show new episodes weekly so that if you saw that you're like oh i get it it's coming out frequently it's uh it's a live talk show it's coffee with humans again i'm in the right place yeah uh, and then i wrote a little bit of about information which okay. talks about you know it unpacks a little bit more about how i meet my guests about eight minutes before we go live and then we talk about anything there are only rules no sales calls um and i think with by doing that, I didn't change. I've not fundamentally changed the content. I've made it more accessible to people, mm. uh, so that they feel like they're in the right place, which I think is important. Um, yeah, that was number. That was number one. Uh, in terms of is it live or is it not? Uh, I think he had a point that some things you know don't have to be live. Uh, it could be edited down and viewable later. So an hour, you know, an hour long show becomes 45 minutes or 45 minutes becomes a half hour because things are clipped out um, and mistakes are taken out, things like that. Um, I'm not ready. I'm not going to make that step right now. Yeah. Is that because you think that the editing would be, would detract from the format or just because it's, it's massively time consuming to then go and suddenly start editing things down? Probably both. <laughs> Fair enough. I think that it can be good to have a bit of mistakes in the show anyway, because we are actual yeah. humans, not, you know, radio presenters reading a script. So I think so. I think, uh, I think the raw format, the raw unfiltered conversations, because here's, here's the title I was playing around. It's raw unfiltered conversations where strangers become friends. Yeah. It's very nice. It sums it up quite nicely. Yeah. 
I think so. But also, like, yeah, changing a title like that can actually massively up your engagement, right? Because, like, we had a, a social media um, advertising campaign a while ago, and we were playing around with the like design of each um, post. And on one post, we just put an emoji that was slightly different from a di- from another emoji, and that was the only difference on the post. And the engagement went up massively just from that change in emoji. And I mean, changing the whole title is a bit different, but it just shows that like something that small can suddenly, you know, skyrocket you because people are that fickle. They they're they're like attention so short. Oh, that I I know I don't know if it's subconscious. They probably don't think consciously I relate to that emoji, but they obviously for some reason do. And then then you've got you know you've got more users and you've got more viewers or whatever else it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I think, uh, you know, engagement is in, engagement is an interesting, uh, you, you use the word fickle and I think it's pretty true. Um, we have short attention spans and we are programmed to, uh, see the things that, um, see the things that we're looking for. So if I said, so, and so I think the, the, for, for instance is, you know, if you ever bought a car before, um, you know, like you find a car that nobody else has or something like that, you know, like a green yep. Honda or something. I don't know. And then as soon as you buy like green Honda, you're like, damn it, everybody's got a green Honda. There's so many green Hondas out here. Like how did all these green Hondas come from? I thought it was so different. And you find out, no, you're exactly the same. And, yeah. and, it, but it wasn't, you weren't looking for it. You weren't seeing it before. And so the, I, I think you have that first principle of if people are looking for something, show up in a way that they that they want to see it mm. regardless of whatever it is that you're doing because you can have and i've used this lesson before with people it's like the uh with business people i've consulted with the businesses you can have a great product or service and communicate it poorly and no one will buy it likewise yeah. you could have a terrible product or service and communicate it really really well and and people will buy it. And that's, you know, and, and people are like, are you sure? It's like, yeah, every infomercial you've ever seen where, you know, you, you were just like randomly flipping through the channels and all of a sudden it's like, you need to slap, chop, slap, 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 chop, 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 chop. You know, like one thing you needed or, or an expandable hose, you know, yeah. like I Use need an expandable hose. <laughs> I need five of them for my family and friends. Bye bye now. The, it's this, it's this, uh, the communication takes a, uh, something that you don't want turns into something that you do because they figure out, they figure out the way in like infomercials, I think just keep opening emotional doors on you, you know, over time. And a half hour yeah. later, they they found a couple that stick. And I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. I buy it. I'll buy it. All right. I think that um, like, it's kind of weird in the startup community, you're encouraged to be so product focused because uh, you know, investors and everyone say to you like, you know, you should be focusing on product, make the product the best solution for the problem, and then people will just naturally buy it and users will just come to you, uh, you know, by a word of mouth, and that'll be it. And that is true to a certain extent early on, but it is true. I mean, I've seen uh, so many things on sale, even just uh, like from drop shipping stores on Instagram, and it is effectively the same item you can buy on, say, Amazon for half the price with some slightly different branding and better advertising and it's double and it's double the price and people go for that one every time because it's about the communication, you know, about how they viewed it. Um, it's, it's the same concept with, uh, brands that do drops of, uh, you know, exclusive like shoes or like the Supreme did a brick at one point. Um, you know, 
it's about this like suddenly there's exclusivity around this brick there was like 10,000 or I don't know 10 million versions of the brick for sale and it wasn't supreme it'd still just be a brick but no one would pay for it at all uh, it's about that communication right I don't know why we we like that as human human beings I'm obviously not enough of a, a psychologist to understand but you know it's just a strange phenomenon and it gets worse as like or more extreme as the internet kind of develops uh, I think this is shaming here. So people buy you, not necessarily your product. And thanks everybody for your comments and questions. If you have comments or questions, drop them into the chat. We'll, we'll certainly address them. So people buy you, not necessarily your product. Yeah. Um, I think that's a fair point. Uh, like I have a lot of people who say to me, especially when it comes to investing, which is similar, they don't invest in the idea. They invest in the person. And, and when it comes to selling, it's probably similar. If you can build a relationship of trust with someone, then even if they're not quite sure whether that your product is the thing they need, they're probably going to be like, might as well try it anyway. I trust this person. He probably has my best interests at heart or he or she probably has my best interests at heart. And I think that kind of matters quite a lot, um, which I suppose matters. It's quite, quite, quite important. But obviously, in reality, if you had a much better product that was going to solve your problem, you should go for that one, even if it's from a guy you don't trust at all, right? Because that is going to solve your problem. I think the, the gateway between the the uh, so I think the gateway between us buying something and is is that person in the middle because we I think many times don't know enough about we or we don't trust ourselves enough to know enough about whatever it is we're buying. Um, so like the television would say, um, I was talking to him, I think my brother-in-law the other day, and you know he's he's got a new house, he's got this big television, you know, wants a big we were talking to me. I don't know if he wants a big television. I just, yes, he wants a big television, right? Who doesn't want a big television? And, and I was like, well, we were talking about all the different types of televisions you could get. And, um, and I said, well, you don't, you know, you don't overpay for this thing because if you, if you didn't see five different televisions on the wall, you probably wouldn't know the difference between each of them because in mm -hmm. your home, in your life, one is going to be just as good as the other one. Only you're going to save significant amount of money by going with this other one that is, you know, affordable. It's just not, a, it's just not this name brand. But if you walk into a store, it's got five different televisions along the wall, there's going to be a salesperson sitting there. And that salesperson seemingly knows more about televisions than you do. And so hmm. gateway is that person who you go, well, I don't, he said, and now we take that responsibility and almost put it on that person. And that I think where I think that's where the trust enters that in a, in a space where I don't know enough to trust myself, I have to trust you. And then I, you know, and then it is your, you know, your recommendation. I think there's kind of this illusion around selling that you have to, as a salesman, create need or create a reason for that person to get the product. But a real good, a really good salesman is that gateway. Um, you know, you're, you can't force someone in all circumstances, especially with more expensive products, maybe like televisions, uh, probably similar in selling houses, for example. You can't force someone all the time to purchase something if they're not, if they're not going to purchase it, they don't want it. But a real, really good salesman does listen to those needs, establishes that trust. And if they have to sell a slightly cheaper product to sell a product at all, but it actually fills the customer's needs without overcharging them, then that's a good salesman. They've built a good rapport there. And the next time that person wants a television, if they had got a good deal with the guy last time, they're going to go back. I think television is probably slightly different because we buy them online now generally. But, um, you know, I think that that's kind of, 
the real key, but the real difference between being an okay salesman and a great salesman, it's got to be having that trust and actually honestly giving the person the best deal. Because you want that, you should want them to get the best deal. Because then they're going to like you, and they're going to come back to you, right? And that can only be better be better for the amount of money you're going to make in the future. Yeah, no, you're right. Now, now, nowadays, a lot of times we buy these things online, and then the proxy for the salesperson is now the is now the website that we go to. Does the website look like it is reputable? Does the website have reviews? Does the website got a lot of information on there? And and am I educated enough uh, to? to understand that and the things I care about. And that's, that's true. I, uh, you know, back to the idea of the infomercial, the infomercial just kind of attacks us in all yeah. of these emotional, emotional ways. It's like, well, you know, here's an image of you using it with your children. And if you care about children, you're going to buy this hose. <laughs> and here's an image of you using it, you know, with, with your grandparents. If you love your grandparents, you're going to buy this hose. Right. And, and eventually it's like, Oh, okay. That's, I find the place that you, the thing that you care about, you know, the infomercial finds the thing that I care about. And then that starts to sway me. And then they go, well, you know, they, they put other, I think influences on us. There's a handful of ways people are influenced. The uh, one is time, you know, you got to buy the next 30 minutes, magical 30 minutes that this thing's playing, you know, for you to get that special deal where you can pay the pay yeah. me then over time you know you know i'm even asking for a ton of money now mm. you can pay me over time if you do it now yeah. for this thing that's, i mean that's that's the scary thing about credit um it's it's getting easier and easier especially on the internet to get into credit debt without realizing what you're doing there's so many i don't know if this is the same in america but in the uk um now lots of like student uh, focused um like clothing brands have you know you could buy this dress for I don't know 80 pounds or you could buy it for six 12 pound installment and that mass doesn't work but uh, six 12 pound installments um and that is credit that's debt that, that students getting into even more than they already have of course from student loans but uh and they don't necessarily realize what they're doing they don't realize they're taking it's not because it's not like getting a mortgage or getting a payday loan or something it's it's just buying a dress over six months or whatever but it is creating this normalization of like paying in installments and, and, and things like that, paying above your means. But in reality, if you can't afford that dress in that moment, you probably shouldn't be spending £80 on a dress, right? right. Probably is a bad idea. It's not like a house. It's not going to appreciate in value, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's a weird thing. I don't know. I don't know why distributing the cost, even if it's going to be more money in the end, I don't know why that suddenly makes us feel better that we're purchasing something, but it does. And I'm sure you've experienced it yourself as well. Oh, yeah. I, t I try to shy away from that. And also, I think the, the, uh, the spending or the buying of something is just simple click now. I just mm. click it. I don't even spend money. I just click yeah. it. I click the button. That's, that, takes, that takes a uh, – I think uh, Tony Robbins talks about his activation energy, and I don't think he made that up. I think it's a psychological term. But the – activation energy is the amount of energy that we have to put into something to, 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 to do it. Right. Yeah. And if the activation energy is so easy that I click a button, that's almost no activation energy. Whereas, you know, on your house example, if the activation energy is, I got to talk with this person, I got to go see this place. I got to get all these forms. I got to fill them all out. Mm. I got to send them all in. I got to get, like, I got to do all of this stuff over weeks. 
you have a lot of activation energy. And so, and, and, and so you wouldn't do that for a dress unless it was an amazing dress. <laughs> I don't yeah, think you'd do it for dress. I wouldn't do it for dress. <laughs> I don't. That's a nice sweater, but I don't think you'd wear it. Yeah, I don't know if I'd do it for this, even this job. <laughs> uh, I, I guess you're right. I think that like um, the activation energy on a house, for example, means that the, the amount of it means that when you buy a house, at least in most circumstances, I mean, for most people, it's put you have to put in so much effort to even reach the point where you can pay a deposit, right? That you're sure by that point you want the house. I mean, maybe people sign slightly dodgy deals, they understand, but they still desperately want the house enough. Whereas, uh, yeah, having credit on this smaller stuff and just being a click, that's the activation energy is nothing, right? It's, it, it's, it's, it's so easy. Um, and that's like Amazon brought in a few years ago, the buy it now feature for purchases under, I think, £100 or something. And instead of having to put your card details in or click uh, to, through to shipping, do two or three clicks, you can just do two clicks. But like one one on should I buy this and then buy it now immediately and it's ordered to your house and it's so easy to do that I'm sure drunkenly you might have done that a few times late at night I have done it many times with unnecessary purchases just like oh yeah I need some some socks with a nice pattern on them why not you know oops I spent 30 quid on socks it just you know because it, it only took two clicks yeah so along the lines of uh, purchases what's the best purchase if you think of the, the best purchase I'll give you a second here to think about it <laughs> the best purchase that you've made or one of I, I'm terrible with bests. So maybe what's the, the, the top, top one to three best purchases, something what, like when I say best purchase, what comes to your mind? What have you made? Um, sounds a bit, uh, probably kind of too, like I'm trying to cl answer cleverly, but I think, um, I purchased a book actually two weeks ago on, um, how to improve handwriting. Right. And that's probably the best purchase I think I've made. At least it's fresh in my mind. A simple book because my handwriting is really bad, right? It's been bad since I was younger and it's been a barrier in a way to some things. I make notes all day about various meetings I have and then I, don't, I read them back and I don't understand them. I can't even read my own notes. So I think that something as simple as a book, right? I know this seems big of being like the best purchase you've ever made, but that's not just a book, right? It's improving you. And the best investment, I, someone told me years ago, the best investment you can make is improving yourself, learning more or getting a new skill or anything else. And so a book like that is, is directly doing that. You know, it's, it, I, put, I bought it for one purpose and that was to improve myself, right? Um, and, you know, as much as I could have bought countless other things, like, you know, I'm sure buying a house may have been up there, but that's great. That's a vehicle for me to improve myself. It's not something that's going to directly improve myself. I don't know if that logic makes no, that's sense. That's great. I think that makes, it makes a complete, uh, uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and I empathize with that because my handwriting is terrible as well. I, I end up, I'll like chicken scratch something out and then I'll be like, I can't quite read that. And then like, I'll like go over it again to try and make it better, which makes it worse. And then eventually I scratch it out and then I'll write something different. And it's, fr it's frustrating to other people too, because they like, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what you just said. And I'm looking at you like, mm -hmm. I don't know I'm not sure. <laughs> Could be bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what's your best purchase? I want to, I'm, I'm interested in that. Oh man. I, it's not going to be as epic as yours. Um, but the first thing that came to the thing that came to my mind as you're, uh, as I was thinking about it was I've got a pour over coffee maker. Uh, so I was in Seattle, I think, yeah, I was in Seattle several years ago and 
great coffee shop uh, called La, La Marzocca. I don't yep. know if I'm pronouncing that right or not, but I think that's what it's called. Uh, industrial atmosphere, wooden floors, open, you know, open ceiling, uh, and then these cool coffee makers, you know, you know, a barista over there, and then and they they had this they had this little glass carafe. Yeah, I have it in front of me. They had this glass carafe and a little pour over, little gizmo on top of there, and then they put it underneath this little water nozzle and dialed like dialed it down. So it was just pouring this right, the right amount of water onto that. And I was like, I love the, I love the experience of that. I love the, um, the kind of the technical detail they're putting into this coffee. And, and, and then I, they served it to me in on this like wooden plate or wooden, like wooden, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Wooden serving thing. Right. Uh, it's early, man. It's, my words aren't in yet. They're coming. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so this wooden thing and the glass carafe on there and a mug. And I was like, this is an awesome experience. And then I like wandered through this little warehouse thing and sat down in this cool chair. I loved it so much sitting in that coffee thing uh, in that in La Marzocca, I believe, I believe that's when I went online to Amazon. I was like, I can find one of these. And I bought myself a wooden tray and a glass carafe and a cheapo, uh, cheapo pour over thing. And it has become part of my routine to, to slow me down and, and kind of ease into this enjoyment of just of this cup of coffee. Like I get to make this cup of coffee for me and just really kind of relax into it. And that's for me, it's been a great purchase, um, because it, it did allow me to slow down, almost forced me to slow down a little bit uh, mm. in something that I really enjoy instead of just like skating through this, like press the button, press the button, press the button, get the coffee. Um, and I have more control over it. I, and I happen to like having control over my coffee. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also pour over is a really nice way of enjoying coffee. If you're going to have good quality coffee, you might as well have pour over, right? It's, it's a really nice way. And you, you know, without buying a full espresso machine at home, you've yeah. got this really nice experience. It's slow. You take the time to appreciate it. Um, you know, probably I quite respect that choice as the best purchase. <laughs> Janie says good. hi. Uh, Janie, if you're still listening or if anybody else is listening out there, if you've got a cool purchase that you've made uh, that you think is your best purchase, you're welcome to drop it into the chat. Uh, we'll get you up on the screen here and Sam can mock you for the thing that you bought. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be better than ours. <laughs> exactly. Somebody's going to be like, I don't even know. Somebody will be like, I adopted a puppy that was lame. And we'll be like, of course you did. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that actually, your uh, coffee story reminded me. Um, I was in Vietnam just before the COVID pandemic became really? a thing. And, uh, and I, was, I, I don't know why I didn't realize this, because obviously Vietnam has a huge, like, amount of coffee produced it's, it's a really famous for its coffee but i didn't know when i was there for some reason and i went to this coffee shop and uh we went in and they were really really proud of their beans really proud of their process and part of that process was you ordered a coffee and instead of bringing it to the table they told you to come up and watch them make it and they made it with a pour over um sort of a bit similar to how you described i think it was slightly different uh and they said but the reason we do this is because you, you know, when you're having coffee, you should stop and appreciate. Even if you're using it to power your day, you should stop and appreciate that moment, and then 
enjoy the coffee because someone's put a lot of effort into producing this coffee for you. You know, it's been grown, it's been roasted, it's been ground, it's been made by a barista. So you you should have that that process as part of it. And then funnily enough, they brought it over on a wooden wooden plate, exactly like you described. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a good way to slow down and actually appreciate the product, you know. It is. It's a it turns it into a ceremony, I think. And I don't, mm. I don't know that we take uh, enough time. I know for me, I, I just, I, I have, I have a tendency to get into my mode and I'm just like boom, 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 boom. And, and there's, I, I think this opportunity to just sit for a ceremony for just a little bit um, to, to, to create the, the atmosphere that we want to have around whatever that thing is that we, that we care about. Janie says she's from Western Australia. Uh, she also has a confession to make that she does not drink coffee. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. This, this is the wrong show for you, Jeannie. You have to stop <laughs> now. No, I'm kidding. So the the fifty uh, percent of people in the U.S. don't drink coffee. Really? Uh, they nope. Fifty percent. Fifty percent. Yeah. There's only fifty percent of people drink coffee in the U.S. Um, plus or minus, and the rest drink tea or Coca Cola. I don't know. I think that uh, tea I can understand, but uh, you need a hot drink. So if you if you haven't got coffee or tea, what, what the hell? What else are you going to drink? That's true. Yeah. And Coca Cola doesn't work so well hot. No, yeah, I can't imagine it does. Sounds disgusting. I've never had it, but it sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, I think the other thing about um, the turning coffee into a ceremony is kind of could be extrapolated to a lot of products we have. Coffee is one of them, but like we kind of just take advantage of this idea that we can we get these products brought to us and that's how we we just enjoy them quickly but if you think about coffee most of it has been grown on the other side of the world like roasted by someone and then driven or flown to you uh and then on the supermarket then you've bought it and then you've grabbed it's a ridiculously long process and you know we're really lucky to be able to have that so accessible to us right yeah and it's the same with most of our products like this mug Right. I, I'm sure that most of the stuff that went into that mug was, you know, a long design process, a long making process. And yeah, I just take I take it, you know, to my advantage. I just drink from it every day and don't think about it. And that's probably we can't go around thinking about every product. Otherwise, our lives would be surrounded by us always like praising every product we have. But it's good to sometimes take a moment, you know. Oh, absolutely. I, I bought um, a handful of years ago. I, uh, so I'm, I do business consulting work and I. I made these, I was like, what, what do I give? Like, what do I give out to people? And because I didn't want to, I didn't want to give pens because, um, I don't have any crappy pens here by design, but I like, I have a specific pen that I use and it's, um, it's a, uh, I've got two different kinds here. Uh, this is, this happens to be a jet stream, but it's just, it's just normally a a pen that's just kind of like, you, you pick it up in uh, you know in an office store. Um, it's not a super fancy pen. It's not like weighted and with inserts yeah. and stuff. But it's a solid writing pen. I've tested it out. I love it. The um, and so I thought, well, I don't want to give out pens like banks give out pens or something like that, where it's just like the worst pen. It's done in fifteen minutes, and it makes you think like, what? Nobody cares about this pen. Mm. So I bought notepads. With nice. an extra thick back. I see. And so you, like actually, it. you can write on it. Exactly. You use it. It sits on your desk. It doesn't go away. And it's a yellow. 
and it's specifically yellow because I read something at one point in time that 30 yellow makes you 30% more creative than white. Mm. I think that that's a really good idea because so many businesses give out products that just people throw away. Um, and, and also you've thought about giving your, uh, whoever you give it to, you're thinking about giving them like some more creativity maybe and encourage them to actually do like share, share their ideas. And yet also it's something's in front of them every day, reminding them of who you are. Yeah. So and that would be the experience, right? And so it's like back to that idea of ceremony. It's like, I'm, I'm going to break down my best ideas on this thing, or I'm going to commemorate whatever it is I'm thinking about. Right. I'm, I'm taking that moment of, of, uh, time and the thing that in, uh, the, our, our brains and I get to put it down into something that matters, right? It's something that I've thought into. I think it, I feel like it has a cyclical, uh, I don't know, kind of like a, an increase in care. I don't know if that's the right word. It sounds a little soft, and gooey, but yeah. you know, I think that makes sense. Casey, uh, Casey said she gave up caffeine, but decaf is surprisingly better than she expected. I agree. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. I mean, caffeine, caffeine is a good thing to get off of if you can. I, I haven't had enough decaf coffee to judge whether or not I could do that, to be honest. But uh, yeah, you realize if you've been having quite a lot of coffee, even just for a week, like maybe a cup extra than you normally have, you stop doing that and suddenly you actually do things like get the shakes. It's really actually kind of dreadful, <laughs> but the taste of coffee is so good. You always go back to it. <laughs> it <is. laughs> I, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Well, so besides coffee, you seem like a, you seem like a guy who thinks about things uh, deeply. Um, what's, <laughs> what, what's been on your mind recently? What's been circling? In the well, I, um, I think that, so something I'm working on at the moment with my company and I'm going to try and do this in a way that's not sales is basically we're trying to combat greenwashing um, in the food industry right and I don't know what that uh, is. so greenwashing is basically the idea that uh, any food business, not just food business any business right does all the right things to look like they're being green look like they're being eco being sustainable, doing good things for the environment. And in reality, they're not doing anything. So an example might be there's a local cafe, you know, there's about millions of these kind of cafes nowadays. Um, all of its branding's like nice, you know, looking recyclable wood. And uh, they've got, you know, they say everything's fair trade. But then in reality, they don't even recycle their waste they um, they have huge amount of food waste. They don't employ their they don't pay their staff a proper wage. They're not being sustainable at all. But people go to those venues thinking that they're really eco and sustainable and good for the, good for the world, right? And that's greenwashing. And that's a really simple. You don't think that really matters that much if one or two cafes is doing that, that. But the problem with the whole of business and the whole of any kind of industry, really, but especially the food industry, is this is happening on mass, right, with so many businesses and so many industries. It's the same with even charitable giving. They say they're doing some charitable giving, but actually give such a proportion, tiny proportion, it doesn't really make a difference. And th that, that's, that's problematic for two reasons, right? Firstly, customers can't trust what they're doing, what, what they're going to anymore. They can't trust what they're buying. And secondly, words like sustainable, which should really matter, right? If you're being sustainable, that should be really important because you're doing something good for the planet, right? That is degraded because now if I say to someone, 
I'm working towards a more sustainable world, people are like, sure you are, you know, or what does that actually mean? Whereas it should mean something really strong. It should be an empowering thing to say, right? So that's been on my mind a lot because we're working towards it. But also it, it's actually almost annoying when you see companies do that, but it's, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, I'm sure you know what I'm talking You've probably experienced something similar um, but with any business you, you kind of dealt with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's the there's the facade of and again it gets back to what we were talking about earlier. What how do you market to people? How do you what do you make it look like? What do you make it sound like so that people will buy it? Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, hey, we're going to take care of the planet. We're going to take care of the world in some nebulous way uh, that isn't. It doesn't. It goes. It goes just so deep, or just so deeply, and then it stops. And and uh, and I don't. I think. Um, I mean, ways around that in, you know, for charities and at least in the U S maybe it's globally, uh, are, uh, I don't know. I don't, can't remember the, the, the website, but it's like charity watch or something like that, where you can, you can, the, the, that organization has done the research on the finances for that charity so that, you know, how much money goes to administrative expenses and how much money goes to this and how much money goes to that and how much money goes to marketing. And what you find a lot in some of these cases, like, Hey, you know, we we're in it for all these people, but you find out like, you know, 70% of the cost went to marketing. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So what you did is you took a lot of your money to just go get more money, uh, yeah. which it's like, okay, well maybe, maybe not. Whereas if you took that same amount of cash and put it down to, you know, your local soup kitchen, maybe that would, you know, maybe those dollars are spent, you know, hundred percent go to food because the rest of the expenses are covered, you know, by some corporate entity or something like that. So I think it's kind of the same thing where you can whitewash, you know, whitewash this thing or, or you say green, you call it greenwashing, right? Yeah. So you're, you're greenwashing. Um, greenwashing the same concepts, just, just specifically for environment. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that you're right. I think it's quite good that there's places you can see, I mean, charities should be publishing what they, um, what they spend their money on. I think they might have to legally, but the problem is most people don't actually can't, can't be bothered to look through every balance sheet of every charity they're ever going to donate to because that's an insane job, right? right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to like stop say big corporate charities are a bad thing. I'm sure many of them do amazing work, but it is uh, it is something that happens generally. Like, I'd be surprised how many charitable agencies, like CEOs or whatever, end up traveling first class. Well, right. that's yeah. Casey's point here. You find out the CEO yeah. of the charity makes five hundred thousand a year, which you know there might maybe there's reasons for that. I don't know, but it, it's it does call it, it when you look deeper, or should we look? Should we be looking deeper into some of these things, and how can we expose that? So you're doing it in terms of are people really taking care of the are organizations really taking care of the environment, and not just not just giving lip service to it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the concept. Um, and I think, like I said, it's really a big deal in the food industry because so it's not just cafes and restaurants. It's all up the food supply chain in, in, in every nation. Uh, there are people who say that they're doing X and they're actually doing Y. And it's because there's no legal regulation to say that you can't. I mean, there's stuff that says you can't false advertise, but you can, you know, something as simple as changing your logo to green, right? Suddenly makes people think subconsciously, oh, this company might be good for the environment, right? And they could be burning fossil fuels every day. I don't know, you know, right. and that's that's insane, right? So, so yeah, uh, we're we're trying our best. So hopefully, we'll change something in the end. But um, you know, it's a slow process. Interesting. Well, I know you're coming up on the t- end of on uh, the end of your time here. Where, how yeah. do people get in contact with this? I want to put I want to want to put this up on the screen if you want to go research this concept further. 
Um, so if you want to uh, contact us, we have a website, which is E-A-T-E Collective. So it's Eat Collective, but it's Eat with an E on the end. Um, there's loads of, there's contact forms there. We can send you information over about greenwashing um, and about any any of these problems in the food industry. Is that generally collective.com, .eu or whatever? Uh, .com. .com. Um, and uh, yeah, and we can, I mean, oh, eat with an E on the end. There's <laughs> just an extra E there before the T. Uh, but yeah, um, we're, uh, you know, I think that if you just search up yourself, you'll find some amazing companies. Uh, B corporation is a company. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, but they should, you should take a look at, they help big corporates become more sustainable. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's people out there trying to do good things. I think it's just, we're in a kind of in-between stage in the world now. Um, well, and, where and places. I think you're, I think you're onto something, um, I love to, what I think uh, what stands out to me. You said, you know, there are people out there trying to do great things. And I think that's very, very true. And like, like the lesson of marketing, like the lesson of infomercials, if you're doing, if you want to raise awareness for the great thing that you're doing, you have to learn how to, you have to learn solutions or ways to work with the system to raise that awareness. Yeah. Um, you know, we've taught, we've, we discussed how, you know, how to take, uh, uh, you know, the coffee with humans thing and put that up on YouTube. You've got your thing that you want to raise awareness for organizations that are doing a great job. And then, and then also raise awareness for organizations that really aren't truthfully doing a good job in, you know, however it is they, they're, they're choosing to communicate. But, um, seems like a, I don't know. It's a very interesting thing that you're, that you're working on. Uh, it's resonated with our users too. Um, Great info, both of you. And uh, Casey's got some comments here. You know, the the population, the CEOs. She's, you know, she's she's a thinker, and she's <laughs> trying to dig deep. It sounds like that's something you're looking to to help people do is how they how do they dig deep and do their research. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, anyway, <laughs> yeah. we'll see we'll see what happens. Well, thanks very much. Anyway, of having yeah. you on. Absolutely. I'm, I'm thrilled that you came on. Uh, thanks so much for having coffee with me. I know that our listeners. Uh, uh, take all sorts of bits and pieces from these things uh, and we get great feedback. So uh, you're, you're definitely part of that. Um, we're going to be on, I'll be back with you in just a little bit, but first I'm going to play a little outro video. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. This has been Coffee with Humans. Subscribe to get updates or click to have coffee with me. Coffeewithhumans.com.